Fox Sports is the home of Australian rugby. And this is the official Fox Rugby Podcast with your host, Nick McArdle. Yes, it is terrific uh, once again to have your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Uh, Nick McArdle here with Christy Doran from foxsports.com. .au and Sam Worthington uh, taking a little bit of time off this week, so he'll be back next week. Uh, Christy, you are fresh. I was going to say fresh, but probably not so fresh from running yet another marathon. You don't look too beaten up. No, nah, mate. I'm feeling surprisingly good, better than last time, in fact, I would say, which was about a year ago to the day, and um, I've pulled up really well. Mm. A couple of beers at the end uh, to celebrate 44 kilometres. I've seen a beer, actually, you drinking a beer during the race. Well, look, hydration is important. Let's get this clear. The last 50 metres um, of the 44K, so I don't think it um, affected my time mm. too much, but it was a nice thing just to be able to uh, celebrate. And actually, I showed pretty good form. Um, oh, if you do say so yourself. In the last 100 metres. I'll tell you what, the, the, the previous 5Ks, I showed terrible form, uh, but you've got to lift when there's a oh, – there was a good crowd down at uh, Apollo Bay and Great Ocean Road cheering you cheering you on as you, as you came in. Um, now, I must say that uh, we will be joined today by Nick Phipps. We're just going to grab him on his way home from Wallaby Camp and also uh, veteran uh, hooker from the Bulls and uh, one, of the, well, one of the real characters of South African rugby sculpt Brits at the age of 38 he turned last week. So one of the veterans of the game as well. He'll be joining us on the podcast today. I've got to tell you, I'm glad it's not uh, television or smell-o-vision the podcast because <laughs> I've uh, I've been on a day off and I've managed to get a, a hit of golf with the great Greg Clark and uh, the world's best TMO George AU today and uh, have thoroughly enjoyed the day but uh, I've smelt better I've got to say yeah uh, yeah you've looked better as well thanks very much <laughs> but um, I'm sure there would have been a couple of oh, Georgie like any TMOs or uh... no it's really interesting actually to I mean we obviously see. Um, See the refs and, and the TMOs. Don't say the TMO on though, the do road. You? No, we well, still, we still see them on the on the road and and have a bit of a chat and you know occasionally, you know, find a a quiet corner and maybe a glass of wine or a beer or something. But um, it was terrific today just to actually spend some time with George and and reflect. And um, he's well, he's still doing a few games, but I think he'd admit to being in semi-retirement in terms of uh, TMOing. Uh, at the moment, but um, he's had a great career. He's talked about, you know, World Cups and he's done the Lions Tour, obviously, and, um, yeah, just uh, really interesting to hear some some stories and, and how it all works, get an insight into that that side of things. Very interesting. Before we get on to the rugby, which will be in a moment, mm. <coughs> who who hit him best? Uh, Clarkie and I each had uh, 34 points. Okay. So, yeah. And no comment on George... Uh, George had uh, 31 or 32 points. Cool. What was interesting, though, just, I mean, we are going off on a tangent here, but um, so the three of us were going to play. We were going to have a four and we had someone pull out and uh, there was a guy behind us. We were just about to tee off and we said, come, come play with us. He goes, no, 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 fine. And I thought, I recognise that bloke. And it was um, Marty Tapao from the oh, Sea yeah. Eagles, from the NRL player. And uh, what a lovely bloke he was. So he tagged around for the first 90 and only had time for nine holes. But, uh, yeah, got to hear some some stories out of the NRL. Yeah, it was a very nice way to spend an afternoon. Oh, Michael Checker would be pleased to see that. We know how much oh, like he, he loves his he league. Loves so yes. cross-coding there. Perfect. Cool. All right. Um, so, yeah, 
couple of things that we wanted to say today. Uh, we're going to mention off the top here Israel Folau, and then that's going to be just about it, I think. Um, everyone knows where that is at. Uh, he uh, didn't appeal the decision by... Um, by had 72 hours. That's right, had, had 72 hours, the code of conduct decision, so chose not to. The speculation, of course, being now that, uh, that he will head to the court. So it, to my way of thinking... Not a whole lot to talk about there. Let's uh, let's been in, yeah five weeks of yep. endless story. So yep, agreed. Let's push on. Uh, another off-field distraction, though, that we probably do have to mention, and we can ask Nick Phipps about it as well, is uh, is the Tolu Latu uh, indiscretion which came to light on match day. We'll talk a little bit about it later. But what was your impression of that when you first heard that story? I was I was actually blown blown away. I think anyone in Australian rugby circles would be blown away by it because after the the storm that we've just getting through uh, with Israel Folau to to have another issue off field issue like this is remarkable. But given it's a it's a Wednesday night Thursday morning four thirty Thursday morning that is extraordinary for a Test quality player who wants to be at this year's World Cup. Uh, with the Waratahs season on the line, it's a it's a it's a huge break of trust. Number one for his team, his coaches, everyone involved in the game, Waratahs supporters, um, a bloke that has missed half the year because of a suspension because he did something clumsy to Rack earlier on, um, and and then it's at four thirty on Thursday morning. You've actually got to have a few concerns for the bloke as well because. What the heck is it a guy who's a professional sportsman doing drinking and being out that late on a, a midweek? That's that's probably slightly different and maybe a, more of a sympathetic view. But I wonder how the guy, in, in terms of his headspace, how he is. Mm. But unless it was uh, extreme mitigating circumstances, you I can't see Tolulatu playing for the rest, the rest of the year. Mm. Um, Might have cost himself a World Cup berth too. And, and yeah, I, yeah, I would think so. No, he was uh, he was not required or told that he was not required in in Wallaby camp off off the back of that. Now, I know the senior players at the Tars were were filthy about that, um, and I'll be interested to hear Nick Phipps and what he has to say. So uh, so that's shortly. Uh, let's talk some rugby. The the Reds and the Tars on Saturday night thoroughly enjoyable game um, and, and sure there were a few mistakes and you know, I spoke to a couple of people on Sunday and said oh yeah that was a bit of a drop ball and it's like oh please come on you know yeah. like it was it was really enjoyable there was there was drop the, the mistakes came from pressure um, which is which is absolutely fine I, I just just sitting here well actually sitting here uh, watching it um, just really enjoyed it you compare that game to the one a year ago in the standard of rugby. Last year, it was basically a game of touch footy, I, yeah, th- I yeah. thought. There was points galore um, and, and, what, 52-41 it was last year. And you just thought, yeah, touch footy, the defence is shocking. Uh, although, yes, yeah, some nice spectacular tries. Um, like a game of NRC. It, yeah, exactly. That's what it was. But, but comparatively... On the weekend, there was some good defence. There were some good shots being put on, some really nice work tries. That, that try that Phipps put Alex Newsom in, mm. good piece of rugby. Samu Karevi once again just showing how destructive he is at inside centre. Uh, the try that he set up for, for Jock Campbell, that, that was that was brilliant rugby and something that Michael Checker, I'm sure he's got to be licking his lips about. Um, such a damaging runner. Also, um, and I know you like this because we've, we've talked about it, there was a, a moment where... Um, it was Michael Hooper, um, I think, laid the big tackle on, on Tate. Huge shot. Yeah, and, and Tate got up, bit of push and shove, you know, I don't care who you are, mate. 
Yeah, yeah, for a 20-year-old to be doing that. And and there, there's a big difference between what he did there and, and a good shot from Hooper, perfectly legal. It was just a, a fractionally late uh, because McDermott was getting a, a good kick away under pressure and getting off. Uh, McDermott just pushes him away. Yep. The the two players they don't. There's no carry on. It's straight back to where you have to be. Yep. Uh, and you compare that to oh, what about a month earlier with the Rebels and the Tars, and there was there was a little just off the ball incident between Quade Cooper and Bernard Foley where Quade just pushed Foley in the face when the two of them were on the ground uh, just after a ruck, and that was interesting because I think that's a bit more of a Look, uh, it's almost a bit more of a cheap shot there as a po- and because there was a little bit more carry on straight after to the one with McDermott and Hooper where it was let's get let's get to the uh let's get to the next ruck. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a, a lot to like uh, I, I like the character of the Waratahs performance. Um you know, they they didn't play uh well for 80 minutes. There was still probably what a 60 minute performance. Um but just to to be there when it counted. Resilient. Yeah, to, to make the most of uh, their opportunities, particularly late in the game. Um, you know, Bernard Foley uh, under pressure. Uh, and on the flip side, uh, I know that Bryce Hegarty was really filthy on himself in his kicking performance. Was it one from one from six? Um, yeah, he, he was... possibly worse. It was unfortunate. A couple of posts, yeah. then he gets charged down by Nick Phipps. Um, it's a shame because he actually played outstandingly in general play, mm. scored a try, set up others. Um, so, yeah, un- unfortunate for him, and, and particularly against his his former club, which he would have been desperate to lead uh, to victory. And and now it's a it's a long road for the uh, for the Reds if they are to well, yeah for their for their final chances. So I said something on uh, on radio last night um, that I thought that in the cold light of day that Brad Thorne would probably say it's not it's not really their year. Of course they want to win every game and of course they want to make the finals this year and as an organisation they want to make the finals. But would it be fair to say it's not not really their year just yet? Maybe in maybe a, a year or two? I think they're, they're going to be a totally different proposition. Absolutely. I think next next year, at the start of the year, you look at that side and you just look at how young how young they are across the board, particularly their forward pack, but the fact that they didn't have a, a genuine number 10 who had played there for a long time. They started with Hamish Stewart, pushed him back to fullback, then Hegarty comes in. They probably weren't quite as clear with their playmakers and their big attacking threats as the other teams in Australia are. You look at Quaid and uh, Tane Hale at Petty at the Rebels, you know, Foley at 10 and formerly obviously Izzy at 15, but now Kirtley there. And then, of course, at the Brumbies with Christian and Tom Bax, you've got clear, very understood who your 10, 15 is. And that, that's not the case with the Reds. And, and maybe next year it, it will be. Mm. And is the other concern... Their big weapon last year, and and they they talked about it pre-season as well. Uh, the set piece, and particularly the scrum, it was it was huge for them, and and kept them in games mm. when when other areas of their game weren't weren't working. Um, that hasn't been as dominant. And towards the back end of Saturday night, that was probably their Achilles heel. Yeah, it's been uh, all, all throughout the year. It's not just the Reds have shown inconsistency there at the set piece. All the Australian clubs have. I, I was stunned that the Rebels just a couple of weeks ago 
battered the, the Hurricanes and, and really demolished them there. And we know that the Brumbies have got a formidable set piece, but the Reds have been very inconsistent. The Tars have been inconsistent, clearly short of personnel in the front row. But, yeah, the Reds, <coughs> I, I don't know why. What, 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 have you have you got a, a reason why maybe Taniella Tupo's form hasn't been as strong as it previously has? Because we know yeah. Alex Murphy's been going pretty well. Yeah, um, I, I know. Well, Brandon Payinger Ramosa, he was he was your number one pick last year, and now finds himself on the bench more often than not. This year, I, I don't know what you put it down to. I know, um, you know, one of the the big uh, things about, or what they were saying about Taniella was how much he had improved in the mm. off season in terms of his scrummaging. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to know because the personnel are pretty similar. They're mm. pretty similar. There's there's not a you know, it's not a really different look about that scrum in any way. Yeah, we're going to talk to, as you, as you alluded earlier, to, to Shark Bricks, but he, I ran into him on Friday night following the Rebels, uh, the victory over the Rebels, and the, and the thing that he picked up on coming back to Super Rugby after quite a while away uh, in the English Premiership was just how with more and more experienced players leaving and squads mm. looking a little bit younger, that, that form can go up and down like a yo-yo more often than not. So I think it's probably just teething problems. He's, he's still a young guy. People forget how young he, he sure. is. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, hopefully he starts to, to, to continue um, pushing towards this World Cup as we get closer and closer. Exactly right. All right, uh, well, let's have a bit of a, a chat with Nick Phipps. As I said, uh, just hoping to catch him uh, at the airport um, on his way back from Wallaby Camp. You're listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Nick, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. You are at Brisbane Airport just about to uh, to fly home. How's this Wallaby camp been for the last couple of days? Hey, boys. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's been good. Uh, I guess it's, it's funny, like, we're so intense and so focused on our super teams at this time of year. It's good to take a couple of days out and uh, sort of focus back on Wallaby stuff, but also the opportunity to be really selfish and, and learn about what we need to do to get better individually to hopefully make the, the plane to Japan later in the year. Yeah, absolutely. Can you can you talk us through when you all came together and what you actually did for the, what, two, three-day camp? Yeah, so we we uh, we played up here on um, Saturday night against the Reds and the Rebels flew in late Saturday night. Rebels and Brumbies flew in late Saturday night, so... We were straight into it on early Wednesday morning about 8 o'clock and um, we went straight into a lot of meetings, recovery, uh, fair bit of testing, so physical testing, sort of stuff like that. Um, the meetings were pretty intense and it, like just a big rotation of stuff. So uh, Sunday was a big day. Then Monday we actually got out on the field, so that was the day we present, crazy presented our new defensive stuff and the way that we want to go about it at our defence this year and that was really good. Um, you can tell that they've all been scheming and, non-stop sort of talking since we left last time and uh, after that we went out in the field and, and walked through it and then and jogged through it and, and ran through it so good opportunity there to, to start locking down our defensive stuff and the whole time they were talking about this they, like we've obviously got different systems in the super teams and, and stuff like that so they're not too stressed about that but they just want us to have in the back of, mind, of our mind how we're going to play later in the year and, and if there's things that we're deficient in, then we can work work on them away from Super Rugby um, after training and stuff like that. 
That's um, that's all really exciting, actually. I just got Scheming. a little. I got a little yeah. tingle right there. Think, <laughs> you know, that's no, but the the reason being that I mean, you, you know, that Scott Johnson was in with us on Super Saturday a couple of weeks ago, and he kind of said yep. at the time, he said, you know, um, checks working on things. He wants to do a few things differently. When you guys see that laid out in front of you and and what that plan looks like. Do you actually look at each other and, and get a bit excited as well and thinking, hang on, we're on here. This is this is awesome. Yeah, it was, especially um, crazy. So when he was presenting, he he started with this like little five-minute YouTube highlight package of boys putting on big shots and, you know, defensively getting over the ball. And often it was like someone beating up someone else in the room, but all the boys were so <laughs> excited and up for it and, you know, like knowing full well that we've got a, a – vast array of talent in the room and uh, we can we can do the things that we, we need to be doing for later in the year and that fills us with confidence. And then I think last time I was on the podcast, I said how, how dangerous Czech is when he's got time to scheme and, yeah. you know, fingers in pies and move things around. And so he's been at his most dangerous lately and um, he's uh, the big boy's ready to go. And with our attack meeting today, I didn't get to Tuesday, but we had our attack meeting this morning as well and that was all pretty intense and it was good to see how they want us to play and what the nines and tens need to start working on and the forwards and what they need to start doing and did the same thing, walked through that and trained through that. So uh, it's been a it's been a bloody good few days and a uh, really, really good chance to catch up with all the boys and then also hit the ground running. We want to be ready to go day one that we get into camp next time. Right, so so you've had your attack meeting. Can you give us a scoop? Was was there a new face there with uh, wearing the name tag attack bad uh, attack uh, coach? <laughs> no, no, still no. So he says that he's got a guy picked out in his mind, and he knows who he's going to be. And he uh, he laughed around. He said, "There's no one to coach. No one to coach, anyways, at the moment. <laughs> so we won't get him until later." And yeah, but he'll be ready to go. You have no doubt that whoever he pulls in will be, you know, the best for the World Cup and someone that will be ready to bring some new ideas and, and get the boys moving because, you know, last year our attack probably wasn't as crisp as it needed to be and he's got himself a blank canvas to start working with. Tim Horan. Um, I'm, not, I'm not sure if Timmy Horan just tried to call it. Certainly flashed <laughs> up on the phone, but not a bad uh, person to, to call as well. Maybe he's the attack coach. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. <laughs> There's a scoop. There's a scoop. Um, <laughs> just before we, we move away from that subject, just just a little bit, um, in terms of the run-through of the plans, are you able to give us a bit of an idea about what they might have looked like just briefly? The plan of what? Of, of either the attack or the defence, just the slight tweaks Ooh. in it? Or is he's not going to tell us anything. You've, you've got no, it's going to be different. It's going to be good. Um, you know, it's the opportunity for players to express themselves, which is exactly what we want. We've got, you know, some amazing outside backs and we've got some very damaging forwards up front who love running the ball and run getting love getting into the nitty-gritty of it, so... Uh, it's an opportunity for the players to really express themselves. I'll, I'll leave you with that. <laughs> Perfect. Food for thought. Um, and, and probably more importantly, there's no calf injuries for you, mate. You've come out of this one all right. Yeah, yeah, no damage uh, from, from any of the boys. So that's a, that's a big tick there. Um, good start. So, no, nah, it, was, it was really good. And physically, it gave the boys opportunities. So we're in the middle of our super season. We're 10 rounds in or whatever it is. And a lot of us have games on Friday, Saturday. So couple of days off early in the week um, without full days of training was probably the best thing for a lot of these boys as well. And some new faces. Yeah, a few new faces floating around. He's, he's picked a, a squad, like he sort of had a squad there of 40 and then there were sort of five or six 
blokes that are just coming in for day stints and, and going back out again. So um, I think the good thing to all of them is that it's, you know, pretty much every player in Australia knows what's, knows the carrot at the end of the year, so they're playing some bloody good footy as well. So it's, uh, it's making life difficult for them, I think. We'll talk Super Rugby in a second because what an impressive and great spectacle it was on, on Saturday night between the Reds and the Tars. But um, th- this camp as well, I'm sure th- there was one glaring omission, someone who wasn't there. So w- was it a little bit different, this one, or did you did you hit that on the nail early and, and try to get rid of that subject? and Or did you did you get to come together at, at stages and talk about the loss of Izzy? We, we did. We had a chat. Um, it wasn't a big room chat. It was all in little groups. And I think Czech there was just trying to canvas the group of what the feeling was. But I can tell you the, the un, undoubtable feeling amongst the group is, you know, whatever side of the fence you sit on, it's happened, it's been dealt with, but we can't dwell on it. Like, there's no opportunity to, you know, sit on it and worry about it. Just, everyone in the group is so committed to winning the World Cup. And that is... That was the un- undeniable sort of feeling that came out of the group. Like, there are some guys that are disappointed um, with what's happened, but there's also everyone is so ready to not let anything get in their way for us to be the best team we can be in the World Cup and make Australia proud. Well, we've touched on an off-field issue. Let's um, let's get to the other one and then we can then we can park it and talk some rugby. Um, mm. Tolu Latu uh, obviously played on Saturday night after the story came to light late on Saturday that he'd been... Uh, charged with uh, drink driving, 0.135. He blew at 4.30 on Thursday morning, just before your, or just hours before your training session on Thursday. Um, so he wasn't in Wallaby camp. Um, were you guys a bit a bit cranky that uh, that you only found out late in the piece? I gather he, he staged storm and, and didn't say too much uh, until, until the story broke late on game day. Yeah, well, for a lot of us, it was sort of, broke on the bus on the way to the game. So, mm. um, you know, extremely disappointing. It was, you know, one of our biggest games of the season and sort of that stuff sort of happening midweek. Um, you know, I, I know I'm still not clear on anything that really happened. I understand he's been charged, but I don't know the, the circumstances around it. But, you know, at the very least, what I can comment on, on what I do know is, just, you know, it's ridiculous to think that that's... That's happening in the middle of a massive week for us. So that's the most disappointing thing for me. And, um, you know, obviously whatever happens in, in the court now with the tri- whatever the tribunal, the Rugby Australia running, we'll, we'll have to have a good chat with him when he gets back uh, back into the squad. Exactly right. Um, that was Campo just ringing too. I don't, so I don't know whether he wants to be attack coach. Gee, there's some good choices, aren't there? Yeah, wow. is this an audition or something? Oh, do they know I'm not picking? I'm trying to pick myself. <laughs> um, let's talk about the game before you, you catch your flight on, on Saturday. A huge win for the Waratahs uh, getting up uh, over the Reds. It was uh, a nail-biter, certainly was. Um, good for the Waratahs. It keeps your season alive. Yeah, it does. Uh, we, we make no no sort of hesitation in saying, you know, we are where we are in the season at the moment. It's um, disappointing. It's It's been frustrating that we've always been there, thereabouts for every game, but then we've sort of, you know, lost within seven. Uh, so for, that, for us, it's just now a massive block for the season. We're going to pretty much win five in a row and knuckling down and having that, that plan has been great and... The intent on Saturday really shows where the group's at. Uh, it was just a classic derby. You know, New South Wales, Queensland. It was, you know, it was very physical out there. A lot of, a lot of little chat, a lot of little niggle, and um, 
it, you could see that the way that it bounced back between both teams through the game, um, that it was just a, a classic game of, of uh, who was going to flinch first and we were lucky enough to come away with it at the end. Can you just um, take, us, take us back a, a week? Um, so after uh, the game against uh, the Lions, wasn't it? Uh, was it that night uh, that Hoops got everyone to stay on the bus uh, when you got back to the hotel and, and had a bit of a, a chat to you? Was that the night? Yeah, yeah, it was. So, so, how, how do you fellas know that? Uh, yeah, contacts. Yeah, I think I read yeah, in the good. paper, actually. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, but but he, he said something along the lines of, you know, this is this is it now. Can you just sort of paraphrase what he said to you and, and what effect that maybe had on the group? Well, yeah, I think the funny thing is, like, even though, you know, we haven't won that many games, we're sort of sitting 13th on the ladder, we're still in it. Um we're quite lucky to have snagged a fair few bonus points. So we're not lost. There's, I guess there's a lot of probably punters out there that probably think that we're right off the pace before this week, this last weekend. Um, and who's just wanted to accentuate that? You know, we, we, are, we are where we are. We're, we're sitting on the ladder where we are at the moment and the way we've been playing, but um, it's not gone and, and this is it. And the one thing about our team is they can turn up for the big games. Um, you know, Crusaders, Rebels... Reds twice, so you know they they do turn up for the big games. It's just um, now making it a big deal for the next five games. Like sometimes people float around the idea that you know, oh, you know this is just a normal game, or you know don't treat this any differently. But you know what? Like we are where we are now. Like let's treat it like a big game. Let's treat it like a grand final every weekend, and you know get get the sort of emotions up. There's no point hiding away from things. Let's you know let's rip into it and let's win the next five, and then. Once that happens, we'll deal with what's coming next. Speaking of what's coming next, uh, the Haguara is on Saturday evening, so another big game and, and an opportunity to do something that you haven't really done this year, and that's string games together. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it's fantastic that they're playing some great footy at the moment as well. Perfect timing for us. <laughs> so they dusted off the Hurricanes on the weekend, and we just got to turn up again. Um, Jaguars, everyone knows that. Big forwards, passionate blokes, fast back bucks. So, you know, another game at Bankwest Stadium that we really looking, we enjoy playing out there. So, we just got to get a win. We got we got to turn up and you know, second grand final in a row and start stringing some games together. Yeah, they are a, a hell of a side. Basically, the um, they're the core of Argentina's national side. So, you guys will have to be at your best. If both sides are at their best, it's going to be uh, a terrific game of Super Rugby. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Especially at Bankwest. It's uh, unreal out there. The, the stadium when we played there last time was just was special. It was good. So, hopefully, we'll get a few more through the gates this time, uh, knowing that it's a sort of do or die game for us and we can turn it on for them. That would be nice. Now, you're about to get <laughs> back on this flight uh, to Sydney. Who do you not want to be sitting next to on this flight? Oh, probably Tom Robinson. I sat with sat with him on the way up, and he's just a real sort of space invader. You know, like the, the yeah. arm bit in the middle? You yeah. don't get a look at that. <laughs> you, there's no point even asking to go to the toilet. He won't let you. So uh, hopefully, I'll, hopefully I'll sit next to someone really small, and like Bernard or something like that. <laughs> uh, Fair enough. Fair, uh, well, but on that basis, they'd probably all be happy to sit next to you. Yeah, yeah, just because I'm a nice guy. They want to want to be hanging out. <laughs> hey, mate, thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Always good to catch up, and um, you know, great to 
to hear what's been happening. I know you can't tell us everything, but you've given us a little insight anyway into what's been happening in that Wallaby camp. And it really gives us a, a little bit of a, a taste and reason to be even more excited about what's to come for the gold jersey over the next, you know, six months or so. So um, terrific to have you on board once again, mate. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. to. I'd lo- I love sort of giving a little insight so that hopefully all the fans back home can join us on the journey. They can be a part of it just as much as we are. So awesome chatting to you, fellas, and uh, have a good rest of the podcast. <laughs> See you, mate. Bye-bye. Cheers, Victor. See you, boys. Yeah, it is always good to catch up with Nick Phipps, and uh, we do thank him for his time. Gee, strong on Tolulatu. And, and the thing that shocked me with the Tolulatu issue and I, w- I want him to be playing well and Everyone be does. available for Australia because we know that he's a lot fitter since he's come back. And also, uh, you know, he could he could be so important at the World Cup. He could yeah. be one of the best talkers in the world. Yeah. With, you, you, know, just, you, just, you just want him to be that guy. Um, but the, the thing that really surprised me about that whole issue was that Andrew Hoare and Daryl Gibson, so CEO and coach weren't made aware virtually until just hours before the game. And I, I, I think I'm right in saying that off the back of the article on the Telegraph website. So, you know, I would have thought that uh, that Tolu might have, you know, informed them and said, hey, listen, this is going to blindside you. Uh, can we do something about this? Can we work out how we handle this? And it's it's staggering to think that his teammates only found out around there and, and Nick said on the bus quite a few of them yeah. you know, going to the game found out. So oh, that would have been a very awkward bus trip, uh, by the way. You would not would have wanted to be there. Oh, Tyler, I'm just just reading this uh, article, mate. It says you were on the on the piss until early hours of <laughs> Thursday morning. Um, care to comment? Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. I should have, I should have mentioned that. Yeah, um, uh, but, but, yeah. But, but, yeah it's, it's, exactly. But um, certainly, he has got a lot to answer for, and it's a, it's a, it's just something that we don't need in in the game at the moment. Um, like, yeah. like I said, though, untapped talent. We know what he does around the park. Um, you know, when he works hard on his on his throwing, you can see the potential there. You know, he could be he could be big. He could be massive, and and you just wish that, um, or you hope, firstly that he's okay, that there's not something else going on, and and B, uh, y- you hope that he starts to work hard and, and gets it right off the field and, and delivers on his potential. Yeah, one of the theories of why he didn't uh, inform the authorities of who he should have been informing was that he felt that after the Israel Folau, mm. you know, announcement and, mm. and with it all, the controversy being in the headlines that he didn't want to add anymore. But we, we all know that these things come out. Yeah. So unfortunately, if Mind that you, is the case, that's, a, that's a really interesting thing because um, Drew Mitchell said on Saturday when, you know, you've got to talk about it when something like that happens and, and we were on air. And he did say, you kind of don't know what's going through his mind. There is the whole... You and know, you, two of them are very close. Yes, and you, you that's right. You So you... You, you bet it in with what happened to Israel and what a big story that's been and the effect that it's had on the game and his fellow players. And, you know, it is hard to know where Tolu's head was at. So that's, that's a, you know, probably a legitimate consideration. Absolutely. And if, if, if it is indeed the end of his international career and he's still, he's still super young, so hopefully it's not and he can turn things mm. around. Um, but... 
Alex Murphy, uh, the Reds' starting hooker, earn a, a call-up to, to, yeah. to come to the Wallabies camp along with Cam Clark, uh, who would have been ecstatic as his father Greg would have been, and, yep. and Chris Fowler-Satia as well. So for the yep. first time in a, in a long while back in the in the Wallabies mix, uh, Christian Leleafano. One of the one of the great stories in rugby continues. Well, absolutely. Yep. So a lot of positive things uh, there, and and some good players putting some serious pressure on, and that's what we want: depth in a, in Australian rugby. Yeah, and the other thing that just picking up out of Nick. Um, was the the new systems and new ideas and and new patterns of play perhaps so you know that I, I was genuine when I said that to him that, that it's really exciting you know when you think about what happened last year and I'm sure that we don't want to dwell on that too much I'm sure Michael Checker doesn't want to dwell on that but clearly change had to happen hopefully they're going to get it right. Well, it had been clear and obvious to everyone and people who might not have even played the game like myself that what they were doing defensively just did not seem right where players were being shuffled all over the place. Now, who knows whether or not that's still going to happen and obviously it's easy to say things uh, and, it, and it's until you put into fruition as to whether or not it's successful or not. Yep. Um, now, the other uh, really good thing, that, and you were there in Melbourne on Friday night, uh, in the curtain raiser, Jordan Ulisi, you want to talk about hookers? We touched on Tolalatu and, and Alex Murphy. Jordan Ulisi hoping to be in the mix as well for the World Cup. Now, he played uh, for Gordon in Shoot Shield a fortnight ago, a week and a half ago now, and then on Friday night uh, against the Wolfpack, which is basically the, the squad of Japanese national players that toured in Australia uh, last week and, and played Rebel Rising. And... Um, and Jordan played a little bit less time than I think he'd really wanted to. He had a bit of a, a sore groin, which is understandable that things are going to, you know, probably not work quite as well as they want him to, uh, as he wants them to straight after uh, coming back from a knee reconstruction. He's working his way back to full fitness, though, and that is really exciting for Australian rugby. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And that, that Japanese side, Jamie Joseph, the uh, Sunwolves, the Japan Sunwolves national coach was was there too and, and ran into him. Um, so it wasn't necessarily a, a side that you could take lightly at, at all. So And, and, and Jordan Ulysses' brother, uh, lined yeah, up the next, they packed uh, down in the front row together, didn't they? Yeah, big yeah. big bloke, huge yeah. thighs. <laughs> huge thighs. Um, all right, so, uh, well, from one hooker to the next, um, let's get a chat with Skulk Brits, who um, it's so good to see him back in, uh, in South African rugby and, and playing really well, one of the stars of the show uh, for the Bulls and certainly had an influence uh, in Melbourne against the Rebels on Friday night. Listening to the Fox Rugby Podcast. Scott, thank you very much for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. It's terrific to have you on board. Now, you're still in Melbourne, uh, and I know that you, you're very excited. You mentioned to us on Friday night that you were desperate to play Royal Melbourne, and it's happening. Yes, it's happening tomorrow afternoon. I actually can't wait. It's half past one, uh, a dream come true. Uh, well, I'm sure it is. Can we just ask, how the heck are you getting on Royal Melbourne? I think anyone would like to play there. Well, after my interview, I thought I'll get a lot of uh, requests of people asking us if they can help out. I didn't get one, uh, <laughs> not even one uh, question on that. But I had to phone a friend. I phoned uh, Ernie Aus, a South African, and, uh, you know, the President's Cup is here later this year. So he had to pull some strings to get us onto the, the highly... Uh, private golf club. 
Melbourne. Yeah, that would be handy. I'll just, I'll just, I'll just, just call bring up Ernie. Ernie else. Cheers. How good is it Ernie. to be that well connected? Yeah. Hey, um, uh, so you you spoke to one of the, and I, and I must thank you for for giving us your time on Friday night. I thoroughly enjoyed that interview. Um, uh-huh. But one of the things that I found really interesting was. You talked about at your stage of your career, and you turned yeah. 38 last week. The importance of <laughs> sorry, sorry to mention the importance of um, really enjoying it, and you know you get to tour the world and you get to meet people, and and you know now that you've got to make the most of every moment. Can you talk to us about you know how how important that is to you? Yeah, it was the, the problem is when you grow up, you just you just want to be the well, not the problem. You just want to be the best you can be. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that, but and a work ethic with it. But you forget the human side about this beautiful game. You know, meeting people, the love of the game. So you almost you work so hard that you lose the love for the game. And when I got back to or when I moved to Saracens, they were all about making memories. And I and the big question I first ask, what 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 are we going to win? And they said we're not here for winning. We're just here to make memories. I thought these guys are absolutely bonkers. Mm. We're going to get our. Um, <laughs> um, we're never going to win a game. And eventually, by not focusing on winning, but actually making memories with working hard, it had an unbelievable effect that we actually started winning without actually focusing on winning. And that put a lo- took a lot of pressure off us. And from their point of view, they want to bring the, uh, the the professional and the amateur part together and you know play the game like it should be played, but still have a lot of fun. That's why they we had trips to Miami to... Verbi to go ski to the Munich Beer Festival and not not in your off weeks, actually in between the games. <laughs> so it was like you, you get pissed on the, the, the well, on a Monday, Tuesday, you fly back, train one training session and you make such a good memory and you don't want to lose this unbelievable vibe that you bring it on Saturdays. And from there on, I've, I've always just tried to have a, a quick beer afterwards with the opposition and... Uh, and I enjoy this beautiful game. So is that, uh, is that something that's really working for the Bulls this year? Have you managed to uh, introduce that? Uh, and, and even Dwayne coming back uh, from France as well. Is it something that you guys are really uh, keen to sort of spread throughout the Bulls organisation? We try to, not just through the Bulls, but through South African rugby. You know, it's, 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 it's a mentality to change. And it's, it's quite hard changing a thought process and a mentality where, you know, it's not just about being strong and being aggressive and physical. You have to look at the technical aspect. So from their point of view, um, once again, what I've learned on the other side, if you can't, if you can't be physical, you can't work hard, you can't play rugby. So the coach is there to make you better. So that's their part is to focus on the technical side. And for us as players, we just need to work hard and, and execute what the, what the plan is for the week. And, and there, there shouldn't be any fear of failure. So through failure, you learn. And we've had the most uh, most growth at Saracens, not in terms of winning, but actually losing. Mm. And if you can bring that mindset into, that's what we're trying to, to learn from at the Bulls. And unfortunately, we haven't had a lot of time together. Uh, and that's why our performance is so um, inconsistent. It's a new squad. The longer you keep the squad together, the more you learn lessons and the the less times in future you have to relearn that lessons if you keep the players together. So um, that's a quite a long answer to a simple question, but we're trying to bring what we've learned back from, from the UK and 
you know, bringing the fun element into this. Yeah, nice. Absolutely. Shock, can you, can you talk us through just the state of South African rugby at the moment? Because you've come back from Saracens, but there's a lot of players that continue to go, including last week, Andre Pollard, the news that he's going to be heading to, to France. So uh, another player who's not particularly old that's, that's leaving. Now the, the the one thing we, we we've got a problem with, where of course we we struggle to keep players. There's a couple of factors that play a role in that: is long-term planning for the players. Uh, I, I think in South Africa we only focus on the player, not the individual. So we don't look at his individual needs for after rugby. Well, I think in Australia they've got a great uh, system where players can study and uh, grow in a different way, not just from a rugby perspective, but a life perspective. Exactly. What, what's the interest outside of rugby? Is it is, is it uh, account? You still got you still with us, mate? Um, in place. Yes, I'm still with you. No Can problems. You yeah, yeah, we've got you back. Hello? Yep. Yeah, yeah. So we need to put that in place, and unfortunately, we've got a problem with 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 our currency, the rand, mm. and uh, because we pick players that play abroad, it, it's. It's quite tough to ask the players to stay for less money, and especially if your your local Super Rugby sides are not um, winning a lot, uh, then it's it's, uh, it's tough to keep players. So, what are we trying to do at the Bulls is is restructuring the whole thing, and hopefully in time um, we, we can keep more players. Not just because we can offer them, we won't ever offer them similar packages, but we can offer. Things from a lifestyle perspective that can't get anywhere else. Mm. You just touched upon the RAN, but you also touched upon picking players from outside of South Africa, um, playing elsewhere. Here in Australia, there's still the the Giddo law. Those that have played more than 60 tests and what seven years, Australians can be picked um, outside of, of Super Rugby. Do you, do you do you th- uh, like similar sorts of things in South Africa? Do you do you have a, a a thought on whether or not that should be encouraged? That those sorts of um, uh, the ability to pick players from outside of Australia, or, or do you think that keep keep, keep them here? Yeah, the, the thing is, is if I, I say you shouldn't be penalised to play for your country. So for, this is just my personal opinion. Where I think, uh, from for if you're a top-paid Australian rugby player, you, your salary is competitive with the overseas-based uh, contracts. When S- South Africa, there's a quite a s- substantial difference between the two. So the question is, how do you bridge that gap? And that, that's why I say it's for currently w- when they get all the structures in place to not have as many rugby players um, playing and more less professionals and still a lot of rugby players and then you can sort of equal it out. We've got just too many that we're trying to pay and unfortunately you have to split that between quite a big margin of rugby players. Yeah. So hopefully by by having less and, you know, trying to focus more on individuals and growing that individuals and you can keep a, a couple more. So from, from an answer perspective, if the structure's in place, yes, then eventually you can say, okay, only if you play in South Africa then you can be picked for the box. But we don't have the structures in place yet to do that. Mm, yeah, so that's a, that's a long-term aim. Now, um, yeah. uh, when do you head to Canberra? Uh, actually, on Thursday morning, right. early. It's, mm. a, it's an interesting match-up, you guys and the Bulls. In, in many ways, you, you're similar sides. Yeah, I mean, I, if, if I must, from a set-piece point of view, the, the Brumbies are fantastic. 
I mean, the, I think they've they scored the, one of the most tries from driving malls, and their scrum is pretty mean as well. So, from our perspective, it's, it's going to be a great challenge. Um, um, and and they quite a clever side. So, not only do we have to be physical and match there from a, from a set-piece point of view, but it's going to be tough when the game comes. And it's, it's away from home. Uh, from, from a historical point of view, we don't travel well. And that's what we're trying to change. We're trying to make touring fun and enjoy these four weeks and uh, just focus on the process. Yeah, yeah, your first win away from South Africa in, in three years. So that uh, last weekend against the Rebels, so oh, and great you, success. And you told us that it was Andre Pollard's first win ever on the road. He would have been partying all yes. week. <laughs> yeah, well, we had a couple of beers. Uh, we took a, a little uh, dinghy out uh, on, 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 when was it? On Saturday and had a couple of glasses of, of, of vino on, on, on the cruise. But from, from except that, uh, it's, it was fantastic. It's, uh, it's great to see people playing uh, for five, six years and they've never won to, to win one. And, and that's that enjoyment you're talking about. And, and we can tell that you do enjoy it, mate. Thank you so much for, for joining us. And uh, we'll see you in Canberra on Friday night. I'll see you on Friday night, guys. Thanks for the love. You hit him well tomorrow. Cheers, bud. What a ripping bloke. That man is uh, Scott Britz and uh, terrific. It's I love having, uh, whether it be on the show or, or on the podcast, I love having guys who are touring from other countries and getting to know them a little bit as well and, and getting their insights into Super Rugby. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. When I ran into Shulk, and I'm probably not pronouncing his, his name right. but That's when, right. It's a, you don't pronounce anybody's name right. <laughs> when I ran into him on Friday night, it was just outside the Rebels locker room mm. and he was having a beer with uh, one of his bulls, um, oh, someone from the staff, I, I suspect. But all the Rebels players were going to their ice baths. Yeah. And every single one of them stopped, said g- g'day to him, had quite a long conversation, multiple players. Yeah. Um, a really liked, loved man, I-, I would suggest, across probably world rugby. Yep, no doubt, no doubt. Um, and that matchup that the Bulls and the Brumbies have got, uh, which he will be a part of on, on Saturday night, um, I-, I really like it as a game of rugby. He kind of touched on it. The, the, their strengths are kind of the, the Bulls' strengths as well. Um, it's going to be really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and it, it's massive on the context of both their seasons because the Bulls are at top of the South African Conference, but only by points differential over mm. the Haguaras, and we know that the, the Stormers, we know that the Lions are, are just hot on their heels as well, mm. the Sharks yeah, too. Um, and, and the Brumbies uh, are point clear of the Rebels too, so mm. 29 points, 28 points. So, And, and the Rebels are, are playing against Japan, the, the Sunwolves up in up in Tokyo. So um, both these sides are desperate for for a victory to, to maintain the, their, their places at the top of the tables. But you're right, the set piece is going to be a great battle. Looking forward to seeing how someone like Falau Fianga, who's probably going to be the, 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 the starting hooker for the Wallabies, moving on throughout the uh, the rest of the oh, season. you got him starting. Oh, I think I think most people would have him starting. He's, he's leading the Super Rugby try-scoring yeah, charge. Uh, yeah, all right. Um, we'll up against a, a very experienced Brits, but a good, strong set piece. And then looking at how Christian Leofano goes up against Andre, Andre Pollard, Pollard yeah, yeah. Will, be, will be a match-up that everyone should get excited about. Absolutely. Now, speaking of the Brumbies, uh, quite an historic day today with uh, George Smith announcing his retirement. We thought that it would never come. We thought that 
he could play until he's 80. I think he wanted to play uh, until he was 40, so he's just pulled up just just short of of that, I think. But, um, yeah, great great achievement, and I think he would certainly rank amongst the very best Wallabies uh, that Australia has ever had. I'm looking forward to hearing what someone like George uh, Gregan, who would have played against him and, and seen him come into the Brumbies, has to say about him too. Well, let's find out. Uh, let's get a word with the great man, George Gregan. George, thanks for joining us on the Fox Rugby Podcast. Um, How do you reflect on today and and an announcement that we thought might never come? We we thought that George Smith was going to play forever. Yeah, well, the day was going to come, wasn't it, where the great great warrior was going to put his shield in, so to speak, and and call it quits and move on to the next stage of his life, which would be really exciting for he and his family and Lou. His wife got some beautiful kids as well. So, um, no, it's been an incredible career and I was lucky enough to play a fair bit of it early in his career at the Brumbies and obviously with the Wallabies. And, uh, yeah, the, the mark of him as a rugby player is just wherever he played, um, the teams that he played with either had victorious like results in terms of winning championships or they just got better. Um, and that was definitely uh, the impact of George Smith and the players around him and obviously the coaches too. Yeah, really special rugby player. George, do you remember at all, and I know we're going back a little bit in the memory bank, but do you, do you remember when he first arrived at the Brumbies uh, and, and what your first impressions might have been? Yeah, well, he and Adam Fry have been asked this question a bit. They were both like 18-year-olds, just pretty much out of school, came down to Canberra, first time living out of home, so they learn about keeping their apartment tidy, being on time, um, <laughs> time management, uh, being disciplined, especially under Eddie, Eddie Jones' regime. So they, they grew up pretty quickly. Um, they, like boys to men, um, it happened really quickly. But more importantly, um, they just had a great spirit and they they were really, really quick learners on the rugby field. So, so much so that George Smith by 2000, um, I think our, our captain at the time, Brett Robinson, didn't play. Um, I think in the in the last match of that round, we played the Crusaders at the old Jade Stadium, and um, it was an incredible performance by George Smith. And after that match, I think everyone knew knew who George Smith was. He was just immense. Um, he was creating turnovers, tackling on the line, doing stuff which you, just, you, you expected from George throughout his career. But he showed that in his first run on match for the for the uh, for the Brumbies, and we knew he was pretty special that night. The numbers are amazing. 111 test matches, uh, two John Eels medals, 164 Super Rugby games, uh, two-time Super Rugby champion, 20 seasons, and that's, you know, that's beside all his overseas exploits as well. Um, for so many fans, George, George Smith is uh, their favourite player, their, their favourite all-time player. Um, and I'm not going to ask you to, uh, to name your favourite all-time player, but he'd be in the final, wouldn't he? Yeah, he's, he's definitely Georgie Smith. Like I, I played with some incredible players, so it's a very difficult question. Um, a final's down to two, isn't it? So yeah, he's he's definitely in in that mix of two, and probably the other one's another back row. So I think two of the greatest players that I, I never played with Zinzan Brook, but he was amazing what he did um, to that position and how people played number eight, he was incredible. And I think Georgie Smith sort of transcended how number seven's played at his time. 
Uh, you know, he was obviously on the ball, could do some great stuff at breakdown, tackling in defence, but also his ability to act as a link. He had a grubber kick, which well before everyone was kicking nowadays. Like he was incredible. His vision of the game and feel for the game. Um, yeah, it was totally different to what most number sevens were doing. And there's some great number sevens. He followed in the footsteps of David Wilson, who was a wonderful open side flanker for the Wallabies. Um, yeah, you know, he played, he started his career about a year or two earlier than a bloke called Richie McCall, you know, so he played with the best. And he, and in my opinion, he was the best. Um, obviously caused a lot of debate and and and, and a bit of uh, ruffle, uh, feathers being ruffled across the ditch. But Georgie Smith was um, just a, a, like, an incredible player, um, one of the, one of a kind. Yeah, I don't think you'd have too many New Zealanders necessarily disagree about how good he, he was. Um, there's a great photo of you on the sidelines. I think it was up at Suncorp just a, a couple of years ago where you and George caught up after he'd played for the, for the Reds. Um, just can you talk about his longevity and how difficult that must have been to play for, for 20 years? Yeah, he just – he was – he really – I think I used the word warrior before he was. He he's one of those players who he'd finish a game of rugby and it looked like he hadn't played, but he had played. Um, he's a he, he he was just he. You can thank his mum and dad. He had he had good genes. He had a, obviously good bone structure, good mobility, um, and he he just loved playing. Like in terms of training, it's funny you hear different trains of thought. Like he was a good trainer. He was a smart trainer. Um, he didn't like. PB every single time he went on the field, but I tell you what, every time he did train, he trained with purpose. Um, it was to get better. He was a really, and he learnt that very early. Um, you could see that the way he played. So he he certainly learnt the the craft and art of not expending any extra energy on stuff that's not worth worthwhile. Um, but uh, you know, I think that had a lot to do with it. And he did. He was a good. He came into an environment that Brumbies, like in the late nineties, early two thousands. We were sort of at the forefront of recovery, regeneration, looking after yourself. So obviously he, he adopted that, got exposed to that early, and then he lived it through his life. Like he enjoyed himself off the field too, which is good. So he always had nice balance, Georgie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm he, sure Sean Maloney would tell that. He's – yeah, but he every time he turned up to train and obviously come come game day, he was just George Smith. You didn't have to say anything more than that. But so that, that, and he loved playing, and he loved training, he loved the game of rugby, and that's why he, I think he had such a long career on top of looking after himself physically. And I'm sure he will uh, enjoy his retirement. We were we were wondering, we were thinking, who can we get to talk to us about George Smith? And we figured that uh, you probably know him uh, as well as anyone. So George Gregan, thanks very much for your time. Pleasure, thanks, gents. Well, that was terrific to get uh, one of the greatest players of all time talking about another man who's certainly in that category, one of the greatest players of all time. Well, when you were listening through those uh, stats of what um, he's accomplished, I just thought, are you reading out George Gregan's? Yeah, it's 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 almost like that. Um, The only game that we haven't spoken about in terms of games with an Australian flavour is the Rebels and uh, the Sunwolves this weekend. So... The Rebels need a win. They need to get back on track. So they've they've gone with a number of losses. Then they, they had the the win, and then they had a loss. That their their season is stuttering, 
they need this win against the Sunwolves. Absolutely, and five points. So they just obviously they'd like a win, but they really need to get a bonus point out of this as well, just so that they can at least hopefully, hopefully from an Australian perspective, the Brumbies win too. But if they, you know, it's going to be harder for them to get a bonus point over the Bulls. Uh, so they need to get back on track with the with the Brumbies for their own chances of, of hopefully topping the Australian Conference. They look, the Sunwolves have. Um, their forms fluctuated too and, and often when they lose they, they've been losing quite heavily so uh, clearly the Rebels will go mm. over there with, with a, a focus on their mind to win. And I know they're frustrated at the moment like uh, talking to Dave Vessels he, he's really frustrated because he believes that they're doing a lot of things right. You know, well, they had a lot of possession early yeah. on against the Bulls and couldn't quite get over the, over the line and Quite a few of the tries that the, the Bulls scored themselves on the weekend were counter-attacking um, players like what Roscoe Speckman down the left-hand mm. side and some, some brilliant rugby there. Yep, exactly right. So uh, we wish uh, the Rebels all the very best against the Sunwolves this weekend. Just before we go, hot off the press, we were talking about this situation earlier with Tolu Latu and there's been a, a statement released while we've been... Uh, recording the podcast. Yep, yep. Just come through just in the last few minutes. So Tololatu will be stood down until his court appearance, which is on, on June the 6th. So he's going to miss at least a, a couple of games then with the Hagiwaras, uh, the first one this weekend. So it's got to be the right call, you, you would think. Mm, exactly right. All right. Uh, and that is about uh, a wrap. So really want to thank, firstly, George Gregan, Scott Britz as well, and Nick Phipps for, for joining us on the podcast. And also thank you for your company on the Fox Rugby Podcast.